0: said, you know, all the women that come from a certain part of Nigeria that I lived in Calabar were quite hairy. I mean, you would, you would actually see women that had full beards. And she said, maybe it's the Afang soup. So I thought, oh, fantastic. I have to write something about that.
1: Welcome to my podcast, Spirit and Spice. I'm Gilly Bashan, a writer and broadcaster with a passion for food. Not just the food on my plate, but the people and the stories behind it. It is absolutely gorgeous to meet you. I have read your book, Long Throat Memoirs and you know I live in the Scottish Highlands and it takes a lot to lure me out of my little home in the hills but the title of your book and the fact that we can talk about sex, snails and aphrodisiacs is really quite difficult to refuse. It was a book that was
0: written with very little confidence over eight to ten years, if I can put it like that. So I wrote a column for 234NEXT, it was a Nigerian newspaper, and I did it every Thursday. 800 words of uh, Nigerian food and culture, which people didn't respond to at first, they told me to stop writing, I was wasting my time. So I did this for two years and three to six months and we put it together, put the stories together. We've lo- left a lot of stories out of the book and Bibi Bakari Yusuf, the publisher, the co-founder and publisher of Kassavari Public Press uh, edited the stories and you know put flesh them out and um, put annotations here and there and we came up with the book.
1: Well the result is amazing because Thank you. You have brought the food of Nigeria to life. Mm. Um, But, you know, it's not just a book about food. It is a book about life. And I can smell the warmth of those Cameroonian peppers. You know, it's almost delicious. I almost ate the pages. (laughs) You know, it's so delicious. And I also feel like I've been to Nigeria. Mm. And that's a very skillful thing to do. You know, that is what you want from a great food book. It doesn't have to just always be recipes. In fact, you only have about nine to ten written recipes in your book the rest is all alluded to because the words are just flowing with food it's astonishing it's really beautifully written thank you but in your book you do say that to write you need to have silence you need to have nobody around you, you need to shut yourself away in order to be able to think, you know, the words are obviously really important to you and I know exactly what you mean, I I have to do that as well and I, you know, with like you, children growing up, it's actually quite difficult Mm -hmm. your life is busy and you have a husband to cook for as well but you also mentioned that you have a fear when you write, what is that about?
0: I think it's it's a cultural thing because Writing, as my father reminded me, is not a profession for a Nigerian. We don't consider it a, prof- a profession, we consider it a hobby that you pick up after you've studied law and you're a lawyer in a law firm. So it's, it's interesting how, um, how we underestimate it. So even to say to my, pr- my parents that I wanted to be a writer was, it, was, it was a joke. So the, the fear was in, was in all of the context of that, of growing up in a place where you can't, be, you can't really be a writer or an artist, you have to be something quite technical. Uh, um, so the fear is attached to that, but also, obviously, there's obviously the fear of failure in that, because you can write a book and people don't want the book, they don't like it. Um, and what do you do after that? Especially when you sort of feel that this is this is your dream. So it's it's multifaceted. The the fear it comes from all kinds of.
1: But what about the fear of speaking your mind? You know, in, in speaking your mind in your culture. You know, when you wrote uh, some of your early pieces before uh, you wrote this book, you actually did suffer repercussions. Mm. So is that also part of the fear?
0: Not anymore. Uh, because well first of all I have all kinds of tools now, food I find is a tool that I can use to speak about all kinds of things in Nigeria and I think that's really why the book is the way it is I can say all kinds of things with food and people will laugh and they will look over it as opposed to if I said it directly
1: so you can use it to expose your observations of, of your of culture. Nigerian life, yeah, yeah, yes. which you might have trouble talking about otherwise, especially as you are a writer and you are a Nigerian mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things can actually have a bit of a backlash towards oh, you. Oh, not I've, a
0: bit, mm-hmm. but uh, and also I've I've written one book now, so there is a kind of people have relaxed to the idea of me now, for example, putting my non-food essays together. They they don't. They're not reacting the way they would if that was my first book.
1: Okay, so Mm. now you have a platform. You say what you want. Exactly. Oh my goodness, what is (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) happen? I mean, you've brought sex and, and, you know, aphrodisiacs into your food book. Goodness me, when they let you loose. I'm looking forward to that book. (laughs) Also, uh, when you grew up in uh, Nigeria, you in a culture that there's very strong traditions about food and mothers pass on their skills to their daughters. And it's an important role because you've got to learn how to cook for your future. You've got to learn how to cook to get married. So, what, um, what culinary tests do you go through to reach this pinnacle of womanhood? I think things
0: have um, are not as strict as they used to be. They have to just do the song and dance now. You 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 can put the food on the table and set the table and all that, but you might not have to cook it if you're clever. <laughs> 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 you can have some cook put it together, but you yeah. you have to you have to show that def, um, how do you say it? deference? Is that the word? Yes. To your husband yeah. as. But a lot of women, I know quite a few, I have a a few friends that can't cook, and they're Nigerian women, and they're married. When they come to ask for your hand, they will say, oh, she's a lovely cook, she's a wonderful cook, it's all part of the ceremony, but you might not be able to boil an egg. (laughs) (laughs) But, But don't tell anyone.
1: Right. Okay. Mm, mm. So, what about these little traditions that you write about in the book, where you need yes, to yeah. learn all about, you know, make tying mm. up your your, moi moi. your moi moi moi.
0: Moi. <laughs> You have to have to do certain things, like wrap a cone for moi for, for the mixture of the moimoi, moi, which is like a, a dim sum made out of beans, something right. like that. Yeah. So you have to have some basic knowledge. You can't not know. Yeah, but then
1: as you grow older you can just cheat a little. Yeah,
0: you can, you can, (laughs) actually, absolutely.
1: (laughs) But the one thing that stands out beyond all the food in the book is soup. Mm-hmm. Now, you, call, you describe soup as a living, breathing, evolving being, but it, there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to be the, the sort of foundation of family life, the foundation of marriage, the foundation of sex, um, mm-hmm. the foundation, it's an aphrodisiac mm-hmm. in some places, mm-hmm. I mean, tell me about the one that could be described as the best soup in the world, the <laughs> Ogbono
0: soup. The Ogbono soup. Well, soup is a cultural language. I think you as a Nigerian woman you actually need to be able to cook a decent pot of soup. It that you can't sort of get away with not doing. And Obono soup is um it because it has it's 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 made from bush mango seeds and bush mango seeds add a sort of mucilage to the to the soup so that it we say it draws. Um it, it, in the way that okra does. Yes. or as you say, um the um, plants from the mallow. The mallow, the mallow family. family yes. So um, you would take the bush mango seeds, You would you wouldn't do it yourself. You would buy them from the market. You would grind them up, and then you would put them with other ingredients, and you would make this. Um, it would have to be ripe because you you can imagine if something is mucilaginous, but it's it's heavy and thick. So you you have to have a certain skill and a certain way of handling it. So,
1: so you're wanting this mucilaginous texture, which, you know, is a slimy texture. Mm,
0: not slimy. No slimy. There we go.
1: <laughs> See, now, if, if you talk about mucilaginous in this part of the world, yes. and you talk about okra mm. Um, mm. in particular, because mm. that's what most people know, mm. but, but in other parts of the world you're mm. using different mm. mallows as well. Mm. Um, people will describe that Mm. as slimy Mm. but what you're saying is you're getting away from that you're actually managing to produce this mucilaginous texture but it's not it's It's lighter
0: no apart from that I think the word is there's a problem with that word because you're forgetting that you're trying to move starch so it's it's not it's it's a kind of it's not Slime—it's um—it's a—it's a kind of oiliness. It is a kind of smoothness on the palate. You, you
1: describe it as velvety, mm, exactly, and that's that's mm, lovely. That mm. makes it sound so desirable. Mm. So and I think it's a mindset
0: because if you think slimy, of course, no one wants to really eat anything. I don't want to eat anything slimy.
1: Yeah, a, a mindset and also knowing how to cook it. Yes, you know, very true. It, it, mm, it's mm, it's probably mm, the way that a lot mm, of people mm, cook mm, it. Mm. But you have another soup that um, you connect with hairy legs. <laughs>
0: Afang soup.
1: To tell me about <laughs> Afang soup.
0: My friend and I were sitting down one day and she said, you know, all the women that come from a certain part of Nigeria that I lived in Calabar were quite hairy. I mean, you would you would actually see women that had full beards. And I think they just gave up trying to shave the beards off. But anyway, so we said, so h- how do you explain this um, hirsuteness? Is it, and she said, maybe it's the Afang soup. So I thought, oh, fantastic, I have to write something about that. And I think soup does have a kind of, I mean, a romantic ideal of it's so, it's such a, a, a full soup. It has all kinds of things in it. And the leaf itself, which is like a, a do you say, liana? in the forest. Oh
1: yes, yes. yes. The the long um, mm. they're very very long. Exactly. Leaves, and they
0: That's right. They're like creepers they, almost. Exactly. Yes. Um, it's it's almost now it's endangered. So even the leaf is it has a certain um,
1: romantic thing in, to it. Endangered because people are picking it too much. Picking or? it too
0: much. Yes. Yeah. Um, in order to
1: get this yeah. hairy legs. So no, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to make the soup. So and and it it's also quite medicinal because it's very it's very fibrous. So when you eat it, it pushes everything out of you. Ah. And, and that's another thing that I I know doesn't really happen here. We're, we're constantly thinking about moving food along. That discussion I find doesn't really happen here. There's a lot of emphasis on aesthetics and taste, but we're always thinking, we're always talking about what yeah. the food does in on the inside of you. Um, so the afang soup, because of all the, the health benefits that you can you can sort of romanticize and put into this pot of soup, you you so you well yes of course anyone that ate it would would their hair would be their skin would be beautiful so <laughs> it was this theory we built up we I mean I've never proven it.
1: But in your book, you, do, you start that chapter, mm, the very mm. first sentence, saying that after a decade of marriage, your husband turned round to you and said that he actually had a bit of a penchant <laughs> for hairy women. He just dropped it. Yes, he did actually, and I don't think he. You
0: know, when someone says hairy, you you, you think hair. You look you in your mind. You just see this hairball of a woman. But no, I think he meant um, a certain kind of a, little a like, bit more
1: plumage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, know, you have a lovely way of describing it. You say flocculent, like a pretty, pretty rambu- rambutan, yeah, which is that little hairy fruit, mm, which yeah. is lovely. Mm. It's a lovely. Image. Yeah, you don't
0: have a problem with that fruit because it's just because you're you're yeah. describing the fruit, aren't exactly. you? You're getting
1: away. With, that's where your clever writing came in. When you're in Nigeria, you could always push it into something else. Um, But going also, keeping on the subject of food, um, you have a chapter on soup and seduction Mm -hmm. and this is where um, our snails come in. Now, you say that a man doesn't eat snails in okra soup cooked by just any woman.
0: Exactly. Now this is probably some cultural language because everything that we have in Nigeria has has layers like, I always say it's like a sandwich. We never just say things when we say there's something happening underneath it. I don't really know what happened to cause that connection between snails, okra, and a, 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 a tool of seduction, which is like a soup that has those two things in it. Okay, so for example, you have a boyfriend. I can't cook that soup and bring it because I would immediately show that were, I was...
1: Interested in him.
0: Yes, I was I was trying to cause trouble. I uh, might not even be interested, but I'm, I'm being silly. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, that, so there's a, a cultural language mm-hmm. that's attached to those two items in a pot of soup with a bit of palm oil. You, mm. You're you very careful how you handle it. You don't cook it and then take it around to the neighbor's husband. No.
1: So you have um, your sort of your mucilage or your mucilage which is you know a, a way of because it's seductive <laughs> you have that in the okra soup mm-hmm. but what do you think the snails do because you also eat snails in other ways
0: in the book I, I sort of talk about how this a lot of things that the snail alludes to in our own in the sexual, fe- the, the female yes. body exactly i right. can't say that always. so
1: snails in your culture are a little bit like oysters can be exactly. in this part of the world but do you know that we actually have snails in Scotland you know Man we I have didn't. snails on an island called Barra, which is off the west coast of Scotland and the next time you come we should go there absolutely but i wonder if they've actually thought about the possibility of them being the next <laughs> the next aphrodisiac in Scotland we shall see but another interesting thing that you eat in nigeria that you talk about which makes people um, perhaps a little less comfortable to to talk about in this part of the world uh, is the eating of dog now when i was a child growing up in east africa i remember being absolutely devastated when i saw a dog being put into the cage of a python in a snake park and it's not um, a thing that only happened then it happens now. I've you know seen it and heard about it since then but I was never ever conscious of anyone eating dog in east africa i might be completely wrong but i've been in many cultures where they do but in nigeria you actually say that it is the pinnacle of gourmet food with frothy palm wine Mm. and there are dog joints
0: there are in Calabar, very famous dog joints it's a gourmet item because you're not eating it like you say because you're hungry you're eating it because you want to eat a certain kind of meat, you want to taste it in your mouth. And for me, I just, I I never got round to eating dog meat because I just can't imagine eating dog meat. I know for me it feels a bit self-righteous because what's the difference really between a dog and a pig?
1: Like, I I know I mean many um, that there are people that would think that you know we're rather pathetic when we say we won't eat dog but um, I mean I- I- if you grow up in a world where the dog is your best friend it's a little um, bit like a horse um, you yeah, know I mean really I I have I I have dogs I'm a dog lover and they're my companions and I know how intelligent they are and a, dog, a horse is the same and then throughout history. Dogs and horses have been man's best friend, but you also say that you don't know many women who eat dog. It tends to be men. I think the women do
0: eat it. How? Do you think there's a
1: slight guilt attached to it, or is it just I,
0: not a slight guilt? I think there is actually a kind of residual uh, guilt about eating dogs because otherwise, how would why? And also, I think there's a certain a sort of divide between the rural and the urban areas. So when mm-hmm. you go to when you go rural enough, people don't have all of these um, hang-ups yeah. they'll, if they eat dog they'll tell you but women who are sort of moving between the urban and rural space will be um, quite reluctant to discuss you wouldn't hear them talking about oh I, I went round and I had dog meat but the men do it and they laugh about it because I suppose men joke about these kinds of things all the
1: time so well talking about things that men eat and joke <laughs> about i mean you know the, it, it, in nigeria just as in many parts of the world i mean i spent a lot of time in the middle east and in turkey where things like um testes and mm. uh, penises are eaten you know that's a, a big thing there's almost like a testosterone thing going on in there i mean have you um had eaten those kind of things in nigeria well just once I've to try it <laughs> A, a novelty taste. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: I had a friend who kept going on and on and on about um, wanting to eat um, ram testicles. So we went, to, you, there's something we call suya, which is like barbecued meat, but it's, it's barbecuing in a special way. So we, were, we went to buy some ram testicles. I wasn't very impressed. <laughs> I
1: think they're a wee bit overrated. Yeah. I think there's more um, sort of masculinity attached to yeah, them than anything it's, else.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just a little bit of fun, I don't think.
1: But when I did my my very first book on Turkey, I um, actually had to cook and photograph twelve um, balls testes for a recipe and I couldn't get them. I was living in my little place up in the Highlands and I had no electricity in my house and it was the winter so everything was in a bucket outside in the snow. But my mother, who lived in a village with a fabulous butcher, um, got them for me. And being a sort of well-dressed woman in her tweed skirt and her cashmere jumper and pearls, uh, she went in to just get her her meat for the day. But suddenly this loud voice came from the back of the butcher saying, Ah, we've got you your 12 balls! And she was mortified, but she kept kept them for me, she froze them, and um, and then we had to keep them in a bucket outside for a while because there was never enough sun outside for me to reflect in a mirror through the window onto the food that we were photographing because we had no electricity. Um, so by the time we photographed these, they were green <laughs> and not even the dog would look at them. So I don't think the Nigerian men would have been too impressed. But also there's there's going to be uh, an element of, of wild uh, food and perhaps insect and grub eating in Nigeria. Um, are there any that you have tried?
0: I'm desperate to try termites. I never got round to doing it.
1: So no, I haven't. I
0: have had... Um, a, a smoked porcupine, right? Yes, which was better than I expected it would be.
1: Did you have
0: to skin the
1: porcupine, or <laughs> yeah, did you buy yeah. the meat ready done?
0: Yes, they, it's interesting. You have these people who who will take the porcupine. They will because you can't even catch a porcupine. You know, it will spit yeah, um, out those yeah. quills at you, and they will t- they will they will stretch it very taut, and they will smoke it over a fire for days. And it's incredible the skin just you know it comes apart into different um, layers and there's a pot that tastes like bacon.
1: <laughs> well, it was, it was
0: The only catch was it, most of these things they come with their appendages and their faces on you know um, oh it's and you you don't want to, you I, I can't eat meat when I can see the expression of death on it's it's horrific for me. But Nigerians, they also laugh when you say things like this because they think you're being pretentious. Yeah. Um, but the meat was really quite delicious. When I got myself to try it, it was...
1: It was and what about grubs and things? Because I I mean, I, I don't know if this was just a one-off, but when my father went to Nigeria, which he did um, regularly because he set up the first medical school in uh, Nairobi in the 1960s, And then he became the external examiner to lots of universities throughout East Africa and West Africa. So he often came to Nigeria, to to Lagos, to the university there. Mm. And he would stay with this very effervescent uh, chap called Professor Onoguluchi. And he um, would always cook up wonderful meals. I mean, My father, when I was younger, would often come back talking about the jollof rice. He Mm. absolutely loved that. But one time he had um, a, a slug that was cooked for him. Now, I don't know if it was, um, it was his daughter was cooking that day and I don't know if it just wasn't cooked properly um, or if it happened to be a slug that had toxins in it.
0: And I don't think that they cooked a slug that day. I think, what what I think happened was that the snail had probably died in yeah, its shell. this was
1: large. So do you have snails that are...
0: They're very big. Like... They're yeah. Really? They're, they're humongous. Like, but what like happens could they be as
1: big as half a cucumber? That sort of absolutely. size. Absolutely. <gasps> so maybe it was a snail. Yeah.
0: And what happens ah. is that when they die, when you when you go to the market to buy them, you will see them, they, they'll put them out on the floor because you're supposed to see them move. You're not supposed to buy... Um, but some people are careless, so they would buy a, a snail that, that's died. And what it does is that when it dies, it takes its shell and it, it sort of embraces its shell, so it has like it, um, shards in its skin. And when you cook that up, it might make you sick.
1: But so he, he was thoroughly ill. I mean, yeah. desperately ill and mm. ill for Because I've never heard
0: anyone fall ill from eating a land snail. These snails that we eat. I know people fall ill from eating the periwinkles we get out of the sea. Um, the turban shaped periwinkles, as well, yeah. can make you ill if. Um, Maybe they've been kept somewhere and they're carelessly Maybe bought. the
1: water's slightly polluted or something in but Yeah, places. but snails? But no, but I, I'm, I'm astonished that you, you're talking about a snail that's the size of, you know, half a mm-hmm. cucumber or mm-hmm. even bigger. Mm. Because my father described it like a, a sea cucumber. You know the, 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 mm. the, the underwater slugs? Yes. So he, he described the size of this as a sea cucumber. Mm-hmm. And it was all done in a, in a lovely hot sauce, mm-hmm. you know, scotch mm-hmm. bonnets and mm-hmm. ginger mm-hmm. and all of that but and and of course he you know when he loved his food and when he was offered things like that out of hospitality he would actually be you know quite gluttonous with it so he probably overdid it <laughs> but it actually that was the first time right? yes i mean mm. of course he may have reacted differently to somebody who might be accustomed to it but um but i I'm 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 fascinated that was actually a, a snail mm, wow
0: yes yeah. Okay. There was someone who took them to America, and they and they had to destroy them because they were first of all they were shocked at the size of these snails. But then you know how it is when you take an animal from a, its natural habitat and you move it into some other, it destroys the it eats up something it's not supposed to eat.
1: The culture in Nigeria is exceedingly colorful, and very few of us know about it. You know, very few people go there as tourists. Um, very few people have written about it and certainly very few people have written about the food and you, you get this lovely insight into what's happening in the villages, what's happening in, in people's houses and traditions that are going on and the idea of hospitality but when you came to the UK as a young woman to study and you first started off to do a degree in Wales how did you find it coming from that vibrancy and wonderful heat in the food and spices, and um, the hospitality? How did you find that it transition? A, it,
0: was a, it was a real shock to the system. I don't know what I was expecting. I just it was it was naive to imagine I would come and find my own food, you know, just um, walking along the st- street. Um, so, in the first instance, this, the, the, the spiciness, the heat, the aromatics, they, they were completely absent, completely absent, so that, that was the first problem I had, the fact that I was eating and there was no, there was no real sensation on my tongue, there was no crawling heat, it, it just felt very alien. And, and yes, the aroma, because first of all, you bring the food towards your nose and, and there's a way that it, it, there's a message it sends up. I, I didn't recognize the messages. And also, I, most importantly for me, is that in Nigeria, even if it's like, boy, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's simmering outside. Your food is always hot, always eating hot. But <laughs> I, I fell out with the lady because she was offering me. I was really hungry, and she was trying to give me a salad. and if it doesn't have that heat, it doesn't register that i'm 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 full, I'm eating. I need to have the the heat in my in my so all of those different aspects that were 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 that I took for granted before I got on a plane in Nigeria and came, and so I, I started to carry. Bottles of Tabasco sauce in my.
1: Oh, I know. But, I mean, you Mm. see that from so many cultures, people stuffing (laughs) things into their suitcases (laughs) so that they've got their lovely chili sauce Mm -hmm. and and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, life has moved on. I mean, you do now spend time sometimes passing through London and other Mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the the food has changed. I mean, you came as a student, what, 20 years Mm -hmm. ago or something. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. things have moved Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. But I, I just thought, just to remind you of those days... I brought you a little present here. So I thought you should just um, tell us what you think oh. of that. <laughs> I hate baked beans. <laughs> but you're a Nigerian, you love beans.
0: <laughs> Not this kind of beans. It's just that you know beans that tastes like as if there's sugar in it? It's so weird. And also when I came the way people ate it. You know, someone would get some toast out and you can see the excitement, I just, I I didn't get it. Because it's just nothing like the way we cook beans.
1: It's not really a meal, is it? Not for you? No, it isn't. No. No. So how would you cook beans?
0: Oh no, lots of spices, Um, um, lots of pepper, lots of onions, sometimes I put cumin in because I like that aroma like the ground, I don't know how to describe it. Interestingly enough, I might put a little bit of honey, a drop of honey in it because you know, sort of balance the, what's happening on the palate, but not so that it's it tastes sweet.
1: No, no. I mean, mm. a little bit of honey does go really well mm. with spices, anyway, mm, mm, and, and mm, certain mm, foods. Mm. And would you put some of your um, catfish in it, or no, no
0: plantains?
1: You put your plantains oh, in yes. there. Okay, that and makes it
0: sweet, actually, and yes. maybe some a bit um, some yam as well. Yeah, so. so it'd be quite a meal. Then yes. it'd be lovely. But apart from uh, that, it's the it's a it's a it's a, The way it feels on in the mouth, the softness of the plantains and the sort of you know, when beans are cooked perfectly, the way they slide. Oh it's Yeah. It's actually
1: comfort food, isn't Mm. it? It's real comfort food. But I bet you'd have some Scotch bonnets in there and some Cameroonian peppers. Cameroonian peppers peppers
0: at the end. Mm.
1: But you put them in fresh.
0: No, no, no. They they're they're dried. Right. The ones that you you no oh fresh they're lethal.
1: Right. So okay. you would have to
0: put it in at the beginning of cooking to sort of temper it. You right. would never put it in at the end. But the dried ones that are ground, yes. so it comes out, it looks like it looks actually looks like um, coffee when you're done with it. You can sprinkle on top and it looks very
1: attractive. Oh that sounds lovely. You know, that mm. does sound like mm. comfort food, mm. definitely. Well, Yemesi Ribasala. It has been an absolute delight. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you and Long Throat Memoirs was A sheer pleasure to read but it's so beautifully written it really is you write astonishingly and I think everybody should buy your book but the next time you come to Scotland let's go and investigate the barrow snails together (laughs) they are tiny okay we're not talking about Nigerian size (laughs) thank you